0: The story you are about to hear is based on eyewitness testimony and evidence collected before, during, and after an actual paranormal investigation. In some instances, the names and locations have been changed to protect the identities of persons involved. a dream that seems too real, a room that seems too dark, a presence when we know we're alone. We exist in a world of many realities, where the impossible is probable and the unknown can be known. This is the realm of the weird. Martin Thomas was your typical middle-class college sophomore. He contacted me in the summer of 2003. He said he'd like to speak with me about the nature of hauntings and he confessed that his interest wasn't academic, but personal. It seemed that over the past six months, Martin had been experiencing increasingly horrific night terrors, and for the first time in his life, sleep paralysis. He told me that when it began, he had assumed that it was simply the outgrowth and the normal stressors of living away from home and the demands of a heavy class load. When the dream started to become more intense, Martin sought out a counselor on the school's campus. The therapist agreed with Martin that it was all attributable to mental fatigue. Within months Martin found that he was becoming insomniatic, depression had started to set in, and his dreams upon explanation to an outsider didn't seem so frightening. But to him, because they were repetitive and increasingly real, were terrifying. When I met him and interviewed him, he explained to me just what he remembered from the nightmare. And in the corner of the room is a man, and he's just looking at me. I'm beginning to see his face, but then he moves. He kind of hobbles toward me like his legs are different sizes. And when he stands, it's just off, just wrong. It's just how he stood. Not only did the man in Martin's dream walk and stand in a peculiar way, but every dream brought him closer. And as the distance diminished Martin felt increasingly threatened he asked me to check the history of his dorm room the building and surrounding campus and I agreed if only just to settle his mind two weeks passed and when I reported back to Martin he looked drained and at the limits of exhaustion I'd found nothing unusual in any of his daily environments and I asked his permission to speak with his parents who I hoped I could encourage to make more of an effort to support Martin during this difficult time He agreed, and two days later I was sitting in the modest but elegant living room of the Thomases. From their conversations with Martin, they knew who I was and what I had been checking into. To my surprise, I found that Martin had never described his dream to them. As I related the tale of Martin's dream of the dark, hobbling figure, his mother seemed interested, while his father showed signs of nervousness. Although Martin had spoken honestly and openly to me about his life and had allowed me to talk even with his school's therapist, I still wanted to ask about his childhood directly. I asked if there were any events in Martin's childhood that might only now be coming to the surface. Both parents assured me that he had never had any traumatic experiences in his youth, so I asked if Martin had ever known anyone who might have limped or had an unusual gait. Again, they said they could not remember anyone like that. As we spoke, I could sense the deep concern that was growing inside them for Martin's well-being. I thanked them for their time, left my card, and took my leave. Perhaps it was just stress, I thought as I drove. To my surprise, when I returned home, I found a message on my answering machine. It was from Martin's father, and he was requesting that I meet with him at his office the next day. I cleared my schedule. Sitting across from Mr. Thomas, I found him to be in a nervous, almost agitated state. He spoke of Martin's situation, and he questioned my personal experience and history investigating what he called curious phenomena. Finally, after almost 40 minutes of conversation, Mr. Thomas revealed to me the reason for his nervousness. At the time, he swore me to secrecy, for he was about to explain a situation no one, not even his wife, had known. Over the next 20 minutes, Mr. Thomas explained to me how, when he was a boy growing up, there had been a child predator in his neighborhood, and at the age of 10, he had been victimized by this man. The incident caused his parents to file charges against the individual who was eventually imprisoned. Mr. Thomas had been reluctant to talk about the situation over the years, choosing to bury the horrible memories of a long ago time. He then explained that the man from his past had been a veteran someone who had lost a foot in World War II and who not only strangely shuffled when he walked, but also when standing seemed to be tilted. As I listened to the story, I couldn't help but think how it might be related to Martin's experience. I asked Mr. Thomas if he knew whether or not the man was still alive. Mr. Thomas again shocked me with the revelation that the man had died approximately six months ago. It seems that mr thomas had buried the memories of his tragic past but those memories had come flooding back when he saw his victimizer's obituary in the newspaper do you think it's possible mr thomas asked me that the ghost of this man is bothering martin i consoled him as best i could explaining various scenarios and chance coincidences I told him honestly that I couldn't know for a fact what might really be going on. I had heard of stories where dreams and memories of one family member had seemed to transpose into the memories and dreams of others, but I felt that this was not the time to bring up such far-reaching speculations. I suggested that perhaps he might want to speak to a therapist about his past and even perhaps discuss his experiences with his wife and Martin. He thanked me for my time and I promised to keep in touch if I found out anything else about Martin's situation. Two weeks passed when Martin called me again. He thanked me for speaking with his parents and especially with his father who finally after all these years revealed to him and his mother the horrible incident in his past. At first Martin said he was shocked and frightened when his father described the offender, but his fright was replaced with empathy toward his father for holding in such a terrible secret for decades. Martin also explained that since the conversation with his father, the nightmares had abruptly stopped and although he was still stressed by his classes, he no longer experienced any horrific nightmares. He said he felt as though a type of healing process had started. He thanked me and promised to stay in touch, which we've done. I don't know if Martin had been terrorized by a ghost of a child predator or if Martin's father had somehow psychically impressed a terrible experience onto his son, or if it was all simply a coincidence. But what I do know is that, when we talk to each other, openly and honestly, with care and concern, we may be able to illuminate even the darkest corners of the realm of the weird.